PTSD, and the unbelieving spouse. I got a lot to say. Let's talk about it. My name is Leah Huggins. I'm a wife, a mother, and a proud U.S. Navy veteran. After two tours to Iraq, my husband was diagnosed with PTSD. My world spiraled out of control as fear, anxiety, doubt, and depression took over. I gave my life to Christ, took on a new mindset, and let go of the negativity of my past. I now help wives to find healing, encouragement, and strategy to overcome the effects of PTSD on their daily lives and in their marriage. So come on in and let's talk about it. Welcome to Marriage, Motherhood, and PTSD. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Marriage, Motherhood, and PTSD. This is the place where we encourage women to support their spouses through PTSD without losing themselves in the process. I'm your host, Coach Leah, and I'm so happy you joined us here today. So we have a great episode for you today. Uh, Let me put this out as a disclaimer. So first of all, I already know from the beginning of the show, I'm not going to get to the end of this topic. (laughs) I'm going to need more time to talk about this because it's so deep. It's so in-depth. There's so much that goes into this topic um, that it's important for me to take my time with it. We're going to start out slow. And we're going to talk about um, just a few things here. And then later on, I I think I'll do some more shows um, where we can touch on the subject a little bit more and go a little bit more into detail. The truth is, is that dealing with someone else's PTSD it's no walk in the park. You know, it's nothing easy. It's 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 a big deal. It is a pretty big deal. And everybody is not equipped to do this. Everybody is not able to handle the challenges that come with uh, helping someone through their PTSD, being a spouse to them, because a lot of times you find yourself on the receiving end um, of a lot of uh, hostility, uh, toxicity, um, just a lot of things. So you have to be grounded. You have to be um, in a place where you are able uh, to be able to help. You have to have a thick skin, (laughs) which I'm still learning to develop. I'm still working on that. You have to have a thick skin and you have to have a stable mind. It's almost like you're on an emotional roller coaster and it's up and down. You have extreme highs. You have extreme lows, you know, not really a lot of in-betweens. You just have to be able to have something to anchor you, to hold you down. And for me, that was my faith. It is my faith. You have to have something to believe in, to look forward to, to focus on something in the future, that goal. So the goal is what you're working towards. That's the prize that you're getting at the end of this journey. The part that we have to have help to walk through is the process The process is the journey that you have to take to get to the goal. That's where all of our challenges lie. So I'm going to start this out with a moment of transparency. I want to make it clear that I wouldn't consider my husband an unbeliever. I know for sure that he has his own relationship with God. He has his own faith and is on his own level in his own way. However, what he does challenge, I guess, is the church the business of church and the way um, that the church handles things. So, I mean, that's just some real talk. Now, for me, I was born and raised pretty much in the church. I don't know about born in the church, but you know, (laughs) I can remember going to church as a little girl 
it's always been a part of my life, been a part of who I am. It was my place where I would go and socialize with the other kids. I was on every committee, every youth choir, every <laughs> every youth group. I did it all. Um, and the church was like the place to be back in, you know, back in the day. The church was the hot, hot spot. It was the place to be. Um, and so that's where uh, a lot of my my upbringing was. It was in the church. Once I got older, like I moved away from home and I still attended church. That was a big deal for me. I still wanted to attend church. But the thing was, is that I hadn't put the pieces together yet. <laughs> Let's just say it like that. I hadn't put the pieces together that, you know, of, of making the Bible, making what we get from church on Sunday mornings, a part of the rest of the week. And so I spent a lot of time being a church member, going and and still being active in the church, but I still had a lot of ways about me that did not look anything like what it's supposed to look like as a believer. And so I had a lot of time in the wilderness is what we call it. A lot of time in the wilderness. Once I got older and I dedicated my life to God, I reconnected um, my relationship with him. I don't even know if it's a reconnect, but I really got into a place where I discovered who I am in him. I discovered what my purpose was. I was able to connect with him and really just build on that relationship. That actually came during the struggles that I was having just in life in general, not just in my marriage, but in life. And it's through the hard times that my faith Increase because I learned how number one to lean on him, and then I learned to watch for and to be expectant of him to to move in my life and to move on my behalf and to change things. Not necessarily change the situation, but to change me so that I can navigate my way through the situation with his help. When my husband and I first started dating, we always went to church together and we actually enjoyed, of course, spending time together. And we visited some places that were there were great worship experiences. We found a place in our uh, local area um, that we really enjoyed. We enjoyed the people that we were around and we had a good time. We even did a vacation Bible school. <laughs> the church had a vacation Bible school. We did this corny dance, whatever it was. It was like a corny song and dance that we kind of made up to go along with whatever the theme was. So that was a lot of fun. And it was just cool being there with my husband. I was a newlywed, so it's kind of like, oh, I'm doing this with my husband. So it was pretty cool. Now, what happened was we experienced church hurt. And I know that's that's a whole subject in and of itself, but we unfortunately uh, had an incident and it wasn't just one incident. It was a buildup. <laughs> of of things that happened. And finally things came to a head and it was enough for me not to want to return to church, period. I ended up going back, not to that same church, but I ended up going back to another church. But unfortunately I went by myself because at that point, my husband was just over it. He experienced hurt behind that. And it just gave him uh, a bad taste in his mouth about the way things are handled in church. Um, and he felt like people in church were not sincere. They were not real. They were only there, you know, for show. They were only there, you know, to make themselves look good. And he was distrusting. And this was not just this instant. This, you know, is a combination of his experience, the things that shaped his beliefs about what he felt his experience was. 
So that's kind of our history <laughs> as far as church goes. You know, there's this thing where they talk about being uh, unequally yoked. I don't believe that we were unequally yoked. I believe we both share the same faith. I think we just had a difference of opinion about the technicalities of it, but I don't believe that we were unequally yoked. As I said, we're a military family. And before my husband was getting ready to deploy, I can remember I kind of felt a pull. I felt like the Lord was wanting me to get close to him. I just, I didn't know it in those words at the time. I believe what I was feeling is just, I want to be in church and I wanted to know God uh, a little bit better. I became a member of a church. I think what drew me to the church was just seeing the conviction that these people had in their heart. It it was like, it was like a swag I had never seen (laughs) before. It was church folks, but it was like, man, y'all are cool. Y'all are cool church folks. And and that's what drew me to it. (laughs) Pretty much. I was at the church every time the doors opened. I felt like that is where I really experienced God. I experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit. I wanted to learn more about God. And as I did that, the more that I studied, the more that I read and researched and looked at, you know, the things that I was going through to kind of get guidance and direction out of there. I actually learned how to use my Bible. That's so important. That's an important point. You have to learn how to use your Bible, not just the fact that it's there and you memorize the verses in it, but can you take what's in there and actually learn how to apply it to your life and then make use of it, actually put it into action in your life. And that's what I learned um, over the years, over the time, you know, that I was there. I say I was there. I'm still at that church, (laughs) but that's what I learned how to do. And by doing that, I actually got closer in, in deeper in connection with the Lord. That is what set the foundation of my faith. And once I was able to set my foundation, it actually anchored me for the next level of trials that I was going to go through. Now I can go on and on about my faith journey <laughs> and, and the things that I've learned and the things that I've done through the power of my faith and what I believe through the power of the Lord, but we need to get to this topic. <laughs> so I, I just wanted to set the foundation to let you know, you know, this is where we're coming from. Being rooted and grounded and established in your faith is what is going to anchor you and to make it, it's not going to make it easier for the things that you have to go through uh, supporting a spouse that has experienced trauma. But what it does is it keeps you grounded and it lets you know that no matter what's going on, things will work out. You're going to have a hope for what's going to happen in your future. So along the way, I learned a few things, um, and I just wanted to pass some of those things on to you. For some of you, you may be the only Bible that they see. I guess we get like judged a little bit more <laughs> because we have professed our our faith and we've professed our belief in the Lord, and so you know, there's a certain standard that we. Um, should be living by as Christians, but people are quick to say that, oh, you're supposed to be a Christian, but you do this. You're supposed to be a Christian, but you do that. So we get judged a little bit hard. And in a sense, they are right. You are a Christian. You should be striving to live by that standard and treating people right. 
But back to my point, you are the only Bible that people will see and people will see and they will judge you and they'll judge your God based on the way that you move, the way that you treat people. Are you honest? Are you trustworthy or are you not? They will judge your God based on how you interact with them. A lot of people, unfortunately, give Christianity a bad name because of the things that they do in the name of Christianity, because I'm a Christian. So if your spouse is an unbeliever, you have to kind of do self-evaluation to make sure that you are living the life that is reflective of your faith. There's a scripture, 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, verse 1 and 2. It says, wives, in the same way, submit yourself to your own husband so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your life. And one thing about me, because I'm always on a mission to learn more, especially because I like to research my situation, I'm always going to have some sort of Bible open (laughs) or some sort of commentary. I'm always listening to my gospel music. I like to listen to different sermons, be it online on YouTube or whatever. There's a preacher that, you know, I used to listen to all the time. And he's a great teacher. Each morning I would get up instead of the news, I would turn on his show and we would watch the show. And the topic of the show or the topic of something that I share with my husband, it would come up again, maybe later on that day or maybe later on in the week or at another time. And, you know, he would say, you know, I shared that information with my friends. You know, the stuff that you told me about or the stuff that we learned about, I shared that with my friends. And it's because it's just around me. It's just kind of like he knows cars. I wouldn't have thought anything about cars, but now I can kind of pick out, I can pick out the old school cars and say, okay, that is a Buick. Nope, that's a Chevy. I can look at the old school (laughs) and kind of figure out what kind of car it is. That's because I've been around him and that's what he's into. So it's kind of the same thing with him. He's been around me and he knows what I'm into. And so he kind of picks up and he learns from the things as I'm learning myself. He's learning as well too. So the scripture says we are to win them over without our words, but with our behavior. And that's interesting because that brings back the fact that it's not just about what you say in professing to be a Christian, but does your life reflect that you're a Christian? The way that you interact with them, the way that you deal with them and not just them, they're looking at the example that you set by how you treat other people. Do you walk in love when it comes to other people? What they see is what shapes their opinion of the faith and of the Lord as well, too, and of the church. If the things you do don't match the things that you say, then you've just voided out your testimony. We present the Lord to unbelievers by the way that we treat people. Jesus said that it's by our love that people will know that we belong to God. Love is an action word. You do things out of love. So it's by your love that people will know that we belong to God. So the next point I want to bring up is that I spent a lot of time. (laughs) I've wasted a lot of time asking God to change certain things about him because I felt like 
if these things were changed, then we would be okay. So what that does is that makes it uh, seem as though the issue is not me. The issue is just him. And so if God were to change all these things, I'm going to go down the list of all the things that, <laughs> Lord, I want you to change about my husband. And then if you can change all that, then I will be good to go. Um, we'll be happy. There'll be no more problems. That is so not reality. <laughs> That's not the way that it works. So I would say my suggestion would be stop praying for things in order for you to feel better or, or for what is going to make things easier for you. The behavior is just a reflection of what's going on in his heart. So the issue is not the behavior. The behavior is a product of what's going on inside. There are some things you're going to have to experience as a believer in order to help you to grow and to help you learn a lesson, whatever it is that God is trying to perfect in you. So you can't pray things away to make things easier for you because it does nothing for you at all. Without the struggle, there is no growth and you won't have the experience or the knowledge you know, that you've gained from going through such a hard time. So here's another thing. If you are married to an unbeliever, don't argue using Bible verses. <laughs> you can't be in the middle of an argument and say, well, first Thessalonians chapter, chapter two says this. No, you can don't do that. That's not going to be of any effect. That's not going to help the situation at all. You come off as judgy, uh, judgmental. You come off as... Um, arrogant and prideful. Um, and you come off uh, in a way that makes it seem like you know more than they know. Um, and it's not going to do anything to win over <laughs> your spouse in that argument. It's not going to do anything, you know, to give you points uh, for the argument. Because if if it, if it you're using something that is not valuable to them, um, when you use that as a measure to judge them, it's going to be of no effect, no value. Don't beat them over the head with what the Bible says or what the pastor says or anything like that. Because what happens is, is that you make them feel like you value the words of someone else over them. You're putting this person over their value over your spouse. And that can lead to a whole lot more problems. That can lead to jealousy. It can lead to mistrust. It can lead to a hostile environment. Did you know that 70% of marriages dealing with PTSD end in divorce and the rates of abuse and violence are much higher in families that are dealing with PTSD? Hostility and conflict can tear a family apart. The problem is, is that families are not equipped to handle the changes and the challenges that are brought on by the effects of trauma. In my book, The PTSD Wives Handbook, I uncover the hidden wounds of PTSD and I give you the tools that you need to let go of emotional baggage and find inner peace, self-love and personal strength. I'm going to show you how to turn your pain into a renewed passion for a better quality of life for yourself, for your spouse and for your family. PTSD affects the whole house, but your family doesn't have to be destroyed because of it. Get your copy of the PTSD Wives Handbook today. Click on the link in the show notes to order. Now, back to the show. 
we have to be careful um, in the way that we choose to share the word. If we're using it to make a point, you know, it, to win the point in an argument, um, that's not going to do any good. It's not going to be fruitful. We do more harm by trying to use the word as a weapon into uh, to make our point. We do more harm than good when we do that. If you want to share the word with your spouse, do it at a time when you're not arguing. Do it at a time when things are not tense. You know, you can say, hey, babe, I learned this. And this was exactly what we were just talking about the other day. This is what I just read. And go over the scripture with him. And then at that point, he's going to be more open and receptive to receive what it is that you're trying to teach him, what it is that you're trying to tell him, you know, through the word. Because at that point, you're not weaponizing it. You're discussing it. You're having a discussion. There's an old saying, you'll get more bees with honey. (laughs) And that's what you have to remember. It's the way that you present whatever it is. There was an episode of the Cosby show where Vanessa came home and she was getting ready to get married and she was telling her parents that she was engaged and they didn't like him at all. And they had a conversation at the table and uh, Cliff told them, it's not that you're not a good person. It's the fact of the way that she presented you. He said, she she bought you in here on a garbage can lid, (laughs) essentially. Um, That was a good episode. I like that episode. But anyway, that is the point that I'm making is that you may have something that's great. You may have a, a great point. You may have a good teachable, teachable point, a, a verse that, you know, applies exactly to what it is that, that you need it to apply to. However, if you make that point in such a way where it's weaponized, um, you're giving it to them on a garbage can lid and not presenting it in a way that they will want to take it. And that's my point. Just be strategic um, about the way that you present the word and you present your faith to those that do not believe. So they will be receptive to it. Now, here's another point that hits home for me. Don't get so caught up in doing things for the church or in the name of the church that you neglect the duties of your home. You are called first and foremost to be a wife and a mother. Or if you're a husband, you are called first and foremost to be a husband and a father. Your first ministry is to your home. You can't go out and save the world if your house is in shambles. All right. And it doesn't have to be, you know, some big things. It could be the simple things. One of the things that we've argued about is, you know, the chores around the house. So it's so funny because I go to work, I'm working all day and then I come home and I got things to do. And I start working on the things I have to do. I might uh, have to do something uh, for the church. Um, And that's what he sees is the fact that I'm doing something for the church and they haven't eaten. The house is a mess. The kids aren't crazy, you know, and I'm spending more time focusing on doing the work and showing the attention in a place where it is not needed. The attention and the work is actually needed in the home. So that's the point. Take care of home first. That is your first ministry. There was a time that I was so busy 
working and and giving myself out at my job and then at church and then, you know, with friends or, you know, some of the organizations that I was a part of that by the time I came home, I had nothing left for my husband and we wouldn't spend quality time. I would be too tired to do anything. I didn't really want to go out or I couldn't go out because I had stuff to do for, you know, this meeting or I had something, a deadline to meet for a project that I was working on in this place or, you know, whatever it was. And it ended up separating us. And you might want to say we became roommates because we were so busy going back and forth. that I wasn't allowing us to take the time um, to come together um, as spouses and come together to work on our relationship to build ourselves. You spend so much time and energy out in the world trying to save the world and your house is, you know, falling apart. And what that does is it creates this anger within the spouse because they will feel resentful that you are giving so much of yourself to everybody but them. And they're the ones that you are supposed to be giving it to. So that builds up anger and resentment, which can lead to bitterness. The bitterness um, is pretty much the seed of that anger. And now it's embedded in you. Um, And that can turn into a hatred. And that is what shapes, you know, the opinion of the church. Because if if they're looking at all the things that you're doing in the name of the church and in the name of uh, your faith and your your religion, what they're going to see is that 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 faith, that religion, that church is taking you away from them, and that can lead to a lot of problems. It's so crazy because we would have these fights and the fight would be about one thing, but then it would come out. You see this because you're giving your money to the church. You're doing this and you're spending all this time at the church and doing this. And in my mind, the fight was about my, I guess, freedom of choice. <laughs> like I don't, I'm one of those people. I don't like to be told what to do. I don't like to be told what I can't do. Um, and so for me, it was a challenge to my freedom. (laughs) I never wanted to be one of these wives that can't do something because her husband said she can't do it. (laughs) You know, I never want to be that person. And so for me, you know, the, the complaints that he was giving me about everything that I was doing outside of the house and then bringing it in to say, it's all the church's fault. That's what I had um, an issue with because in my mind, all I saw was he's trying to control me. When things finally came to a head, we had a horrible, horrible fight. It was a horrible argument. And we finished the argument with me feeling like, okay, either I'm going to lead this church or I'm going to lead this marriage. (laughs) You know, I felt like it it was a control thing. It wasn't about the church. It was about a control thing for me. And then me feeling like, you know, had we become so... Um, distance in our beliefs to where now it was affecting our relationship. And so I felt like, okay, I got a choice. I can leave, um, you know, I can leave my church or I can leave um, the relationship. I know for a fact that I did not want to leave my relationship totally. I I definitely didn't want to do that. Um, but I also knew that I didn't want to leave my church. And, and that was actually the choice that I was getting ready to make. And I was so upset and I walked um I walked away from the argument. I went into another room and I'm in my head trying to figure out how am I going to do this? How am I going to tell <laughs> my leaders? I have to leave because my husband said so. How was I going to do this? 
And it was so crazy, you know, that I heard the Lord speak to me. And the first thing he said was, the problem is your pride. <laughs> and I'm like, Lord, what? <laughs> he said, the problem is your pride. And, and, you know, the whole argument we had, like I say, it started out being about, you know, doing things around the house um, that haven't been done, cleaning up, washing dishes, cooking, you know, just doing things, you know, around the house. And, and my husband is not, you know, misogynist or anything like that, feeling like things are women's work. It's just the fact about holding up your end, doing what it is that needs to be done, doing your part, you know, in the home, in the choice and responsibility. I can understand his frustration and now <laughs> looking back, I can understand his frustration where he's, he's feeling like he has to do everything because I'm so busy saving the world, you know, but anyway, so, um, I was, I was, um, I was in my quiet room and I just came out there to sit and to vent and to cool off from from the argument that we just had. And that was the first thought that came to my mind. The first thing I heard and I knew it was the Lord. He said, the problem is your pride. And then he asked me a question. He said, is it worth it? He said, are you really going to throw away your marriage because you don't want to cook and clean and wash clothes. You're really going to throw your marriage away because of that. And then I heard him say, this is all your fault. And I'm like, first thing in my mind, <laughs> I said, this is not the Lord. The Lord will not tell me that this is not my fault because I'm here. I'm defending the kingdom. I'm defending the church. And, and this is not the Lord telling me this, that this is my fault because it is not my fault. <laughs> I am not the problem. But what he had me do, he, he did a rewind in my mind of the conversation and the things that came out in that conversation was the fact that my husband was so upset about me being taken away and it's not even taken away. My husband was so upset with the fact of, of me spending so much of my energy outside of the house that he began to have a, a hatred for the faith, for the church, for the, the people in the church. And the Lord showed me that that was my fault. And it's so funny because I had just done a study a couple months ago about hate and why people hate. It was just something that came up out of nowhere. And I see now why he had me do that. But I actually had done a study about hate and I went to go look through my notes you know, to see what it was about hate. Why? OK, why is he having me to research this hate? And what I found in my study is that a lot of hate comes from some sort of hurt from the past. And so I realized from that and reading over all my notes, I don't, I'm, I'll, maybe I'll save that for a different, you know, time. We'll go over that, that lesson at a different time, because that is a part of healing. That is a part of trauma. Um, but this hate, this hatred that showed up in my husband, I'm seeing how I was a part of what he was feeling. It wasn't until the Lord showed me because I really, y'all, I really felt like he was just attacking me. He was trying to be controlling of me and he was upset because he couldn't control me. That's what I really felt. 
But once the Lord showed me that I was a part of him hating the church, it really struck me. It really struck me. It really was a reality pill that I had to swallow. He told me after that, after he showed me that, he said, what you need to do is to go in there and you need to apologize. And after you apologize, you need to go and strategize and you need to find a way to prioritize your day and your your husband over your day so that everything first starts with home, taking care of home. And then everything else after that will fall in line. He said, get in there, (laughs) wash them dishes, clean up the living room, cook some food to figure out what y'all going to eat. Put him first. And that I promise y'all, and I'm the first person, my husband used to say I was a chauvinist. He said, he used to call me a female chauvinist. That is not about, you know, a woman's duty. It's really about doing your part in the house. It's really about doing your part to, you know, for what needs to be done in the house and and putting your attention in love, showing your love in your own house before you go out and love everybody in the world. When I realized the impact of my actions, it was overwhelming for me. I felt so sorry and I'm about to cry now. I felt so much sorrow in my heart because. What I did turned somebody from God and from his people. And in the Bible, they call that being a stumbling block. And I understand now how what I did contributed to that. And I went in there and I apologized to my husband and I cried like a baby. (laughs) And do you know that was all he wanted? He wanted me to acknowledge that he wasn't crazy <laughs> that, you know, he, he wanted me to acknowledge that I understood where he was coming from. He wanted me to see him and to see his heart. And that was a reset for me in my mind and in our relationship, in, in our relationship, that was a reset for us. So now I make it a point Okay, let me make sure I do things to show love in this house, my love for him before I go out. And I want to make sure that he knows that he's first. That is so important. That is so important. So that's my lesson on that. Your position as a spouse is critical in the fact that, like I said, you are the closest person to your spouse. You're the closest person to your husband. And you can discern when something is off with them, especially when it's during a time where, you know, something may be flaring up in them and um, or, or something is off with them. Um, you are the first one to be able to discern that. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will give you discernment about certain things. There was a time where uh, we used to have church on Friday nights. And one night I came home on a Friday night and nobody was home. It was empty. I remember walking up the stairs. And as I'm walking up the stairs, I'm having visions of my bedroom. It It was almost like a crime scene. I saw 
blood on the wall. And I knew that something bad had happened in that bedroom. And I walked upstairs and it, the bedroom was just as we left it. It was, it was, it was just as we left it. Later on in that week, my husband said that he had sat there on the edge of the bed and he had a gun in his hand and he had contemplated suicide. And the spirit of the Lord gave me that vision so I could know what to pray for. Because I said a quick prayer. At first I thought I was crazy, but I said a quick, quick prayer and said, oh, no, 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 no. That's just an example of why it's important to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you're able to discern certain things, certain things you'll have to pray for. And I can go down the list <laughs> of things that were prevented due to divine intervention. That's for another show. We, we don't have enough time for that. Um, but my point is, is that it's so important that you know your position as a wife and the importance of it. And just like you are that support for him, he is also the support for you. Because he is not a believer or because he doesn't believe what you believe, um, that does not mean that he's not a good husband. Let me say that. I'll say that again. Because he does not believe what you believe does not mean that he is not a good husband. He's a good man. I got a good man. <laughs> now the challenge is 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 uh me being the person uh that he needs me to be and the same thing him being the person that I need him to be that's a challenge but you'll find that in any marriage the fact that you are a believer gives you power it gives you spiritual authority as a saved spouse you are the spiritual covering for him you are the first line of defense. You are the watchman. So you're able to look out and see the things that you need to pray for, the things that you need to cover him for. First Corinthians chapter seven, verse 14 says, for the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife and the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. Having a spouse that is a believer puts a blessing on the home. It's very important to understand your position as the wife and to understand the authority that you hold and the power that you have to change the lives of those generations that are yet to come. You can change the life of your generation right now and then the generation of those to come. You can change the line. You can change the outcome of what a family was supposed to be. So as I said at the beginning of the show, there is just too much to cover um, for us to take all of this in at 30 minutes, <laughs> 30 minute show, 30 or 40 minutes. It's too much to cover um, in this short amount of time. So I definitely uh, want to put a stop right here and we're going to pick this up um, and discuss some more um, things that you need to know as a spouse dealing with PTSD with an unbelieving spouse. All right. So for today's coaching moment, I want you to take some time to reflect, all right? This is a journal exercise. You know, I believe in journaling and, and uh, writing out your feelings, writing out your emotions. Use your journal to track your progress. You can look at the things that you were struggling with at one time and then turn the pages and you'll see how God turned things around, uh, how things were changed in your life. Because you were able to work through them, through your journaling and through the work that you uh, were able to do through that process. So first, I want you to think of some challenging things. What are the things that are challenging in your relationship? 
Write a list of the things that are challenging you in your relationship. And then I want you to ask yourself, how is God using it to mature you spiritually? So what are the things that are challenges for you in your relationship? How is God going to use that to mature you? The next thing I want you to consider is where are you on your faith walk with God? What is your journey like? Are you trusting him more? Do you have total confidence in him? Are you kind of like, yeah, Lord, I don't know about this. I don't know you yet. I'm getting to know you. I'm getting to trust you. Where are you at on that journey? What are your goals? Where do you want to be on that journey? And what do you think is keeping you from being where you are and getting to where you want to go? And then finally, what areas of your faith do you need to work on? Is there doubt somewhere? Are you discouraged? Have you been discouraged by or disappointed by the outcome of something that didn't go the way that you wanted it to go? Are you struggling in your faith? What areas do you need to work on? Finally, I want you to pray and ask for God to help your unbelief, help where you're struggling, help you in those areas that need improvement. Take some time to write down the things that you hear in your spirit, the things that he's speaking to you. Listen to hear what he says, what he is communicating to you, and then journal that as you get it and use that as a bookmark and look back on it months later to see how far you've come and then use that as a benchmark so you can take a look back a while from now and see where you were at at this time and see how far you've come on that journey. So we are just about out of time, but guess what? We want to hear from you. I want to hear your questions. I want to hear the stories that you have um, in dealing with PTSD in your family. I want to hear your testimonies. Tell me how God brought you through a certain situation. I want to hear the things that you're struggling with. And maybe that's another topic that we can cover on the show. So what you want to do is go to our show page. It is marriagemotherhoodptsd.com. Again, that is marriagemotherhoodptsd.com. Check us out. You want to go to the section that's titled Ask Coach Leah and just submit your form and I'll answer you on the show. So that's my time today, everybody. I hope that something was said today to encourage you um, and to let you know that everything is going to be all right. All right. Until next time, you be encouraged, be empowered and be blessed. Peace out.